Welcome to the Spare Rib Audio Zine. Spare Rib is a student-run feminist organization located at Dartmouth College in Hanover, New Hampshire. This is Isn't It Time, written by Emily Chang from the Devotion Edition, published winter 2023. The piece was originally illustrated by Yulia Vizbaras and page designed by Sophie Williams, read by Emily Chang. Special thanks to Dartmouth College Radio for lending Spare Rib their time and space, making this audio zine project possible. This piece has a content warning for disordered eating and transphobia. Isn't it time for something new? You think you can't let yourself spring free, but you can. Something primal thrums within you. Words tug at your synapses, skimming the tips of your tongue. Not scalded like black bitter coffee, soured into the languor of August afternoons, but something feather light and fizzing. I lay staring at the faint outlines of my band posters splayed across the ceiling, thinking about the day that seemed now like some prophetic dream. My friends and I have been trying to paint, mixing scorched tangerines with bottled greens on makeshift cardboard palettes. I felt ill, like I was slipping into some warped underwater version of the house, and could barely register that I was starting to jab the poor tufts of my brush into the canvas. Frenzied, frustrated, I nearly smothered my face into the freshly ridged paint. I stumbled into the bathroom, hovered over the toilet bowl, sank to my knees, then down on my back, hugged my bent knees, then let my head rest on the soft rug as I grasped at the icy linoleum. I had recently gotten a hideous haircut and had been attempting to disguise it in wings twisted into place by a claw clip. As I rocked my head back and forth, my short shock of hair pried loose. In the dimming light, I stared at my hands, now the shrunken, flimsy hands, of one who has not ventured beyond the womb. You feel the ooze, the cleave of flesh. You feel yourself impossibly small. Fetal claws, darkened veins. You can track yourself back to an ultrasound swimming pool. The sun has risen in my new feverish nightmare. My friends are incoherent, and the house is now unbearably warm. The rooms are discordant, clashing together the worst possible parts of a stranger's home, hostile and lonesome. In a flushed desperation, I beg to be taken outside anywhere. The girl twin is the only one who is currently capable of driving, and she gently leads me to the car. We drive to the botanical garden, where families mill around, and a rising high school senior is getting her photograph taken amidst the trees and man-made waterfall. I'm thirsty, I'm so thirsty, I bleat, my face feeling like a tomato parched in the heat. The water fountain is dry, and the girl twin murmurs that she'll go buy some water, she'll be right back. The half hour feels like an entire afternoon, I am helpless, I am stranded and abandoned, and I lay back on the shaded stone floor, withdrawing into a corner. The girl twin returns, hands me a plastic arrowhead water bottle, clear and cool. The refreshing green pervading the treetops is now faintly tipped with gold. The girl twin sits down beside me and blinks, and I see that her lashes, the corners of her face, have a pearly glow, too vivid to be a trick of the light. Remember longing for the sensation of a burnished gold maple leaf honeyed as it glides to ripple and rest in a clear, cold pool. Remember the pale violet, the dragonfruit pinks, flickers of neon cyan, in the brow of the girl who sits with you as you lie back. We're in a pizza parlor, mod super fast, where clubs at my old high school have held fundraisers and I had a birthday party when I was 17. Beaming faces of children line the walls, baby's breath and loose teeth, photo collages of my school and the football team, all bathed in a somber red brick glow. The usual panic of deciding what crusts, sauce, and toppings I want has glazed over as the line flows forward. 
If I don't like what pizza I choose in the myriad moments, how was I supposed to know it was a poor decision beforehand? I must continue to resist the urge to stand paralyzed as conflations of thoughts surge and tangle within my being. Suddenly I recall chilly dark evenings, legs dangling over a big wooden chair, steaming bowls of rice and soup that my parents placed before me. All I had to do was eat thoroughly and not make a mess. Pizza was a treat to savor, to sink my teeth into crusts brimming with good things. I feel a pang as I realize I will never enjoy pizza the same way as after a grubby day of play, when food was simply there to nourish, how there is no pervading guilty pleasure attached to anything greasy or sweet. I yearn for that simplicity, but maybe that state of mind isn't as far away as it seems, for as I pick up a slice of my oddly topped pizza, oozing with chickpeas and roasted broccoli and bursting with red sauce, the wonder and awe and amusement of eating something tasty returns like the prospect of exploring a landscape's beauty. Remember the reds, Coca-Cola sad. Remember the fermenting, the walls that breathed, spores and swish cheese, and the pesto swamp as you ate volcano crusts, bubbly in a garlic boil. Remember all the bubbles in the tea canister like honeycomb, like spools of gumdrop pearls ever multiplying, the child, the Muppets, the school, the smiling faces, wan mockery of what you thought this life would be when you were three. We finish our pizza and drive away, returning to the dimness of the twins' house. I stand transfixed by the arrays of childhood portraits, before the boy twin transitioned, before their once radical older brother proceeded to meet and marry a nun, to antagonize and refuse to acknowledge that one of his siblings was a sister no longer. The twins have not seen their brother in years, and yet there he is in adolescence, cheekily grinning up on the wall, alongside younger versions of my friends, with teeth clad in braces and hair so long they resemble oversized wigs. We don't talk anymore, not after he wouldn't gender me correctly, the boy twin remarks softly to me months afterwards. Maybe he forgot that I transitioned. Better he forget than refuse to acknowledge the change. Now I think back to the pizza parlor, to the poorest qualities of the dough with every sauce and beverage, its own sprawling microcosm, its own deep, mysterious sea. Why did his brother think gender should be constrained into separate measuring cups, nutritional categories, when it has to encapsulate the vivid, ever-changing recipes of billions of developing human beings? The twins' brightly colored fringe cuts they don today are a stark departure from the curtain-like hair in their photographs. Their hair is reminiscent of the twins' art projects, displayed in every spare corner of the wall. Their families tenderly crayon in smiling stick figures and flower blooms. Remember the pooled hands. Parents stringing lights and beads and photographs, finger paint and jagged letters, parents trying their best to preserve the murmurs of raising a three who fractured, the absurdity of how his hair hangs long and limp, a little girl giggle in a corduroy dress, lined across the walls are sisters before one of them cut his plate, their faces dim, flaked and dry against the plaster, ill-applied paint, loose coatings of dead skin that once glowed from a mother's touch. Hold fast to your suburban adolescence before you relinquish it. The boy twin recounts how a few short months ago, their mother had lamented his dead name in a moment of resentment. She was upset that I never apologized for taking her away from me. For all this time since I transitioned, she had seemed cool with it, even if she definitely seemed surprised to suddenly have a queer person as part of her family. She's from Hong Kong and hadn't interacted with many of us before. I won't apologize, though. Not for a change so important to myself. Where does mother's love go if she reserves it in stone for a little girl and that girl ceases to exist? Smeared on the walls are the dashed dreams of a mother, grayed photographs of the land she misses most, as she looks forth at the new life she has released into a world unfamiliar. Plastered everywhere is the pearly haze of reminiscing your womb. The child in me is no longer dormant. She moves as I move, I can feel her. 
But today has gone on too long, and it is time for us both to rest as one. Tuck that little girl in, under the wings of a mother, rest certain in the beat of your own heart, before turning forward to all the world has to offer. Belly full of warmth and good things, drape her silken cover across her shoulder, tuck a ragged sliver of her hair back behind her ear. Wipe away her pearled up tears, iridescent, flecked into every sun dapple and shadowed corner, knowing that her sourdough pout will be baked away someday.